You're listening to the Geek Watch Podcast, Episode 42. The Twitter Wars continue, plus Episode 2 of Doctor Who and The Walking Dead. This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Mandy Petrie. Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode 42 of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher, and with me as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petri. We finally made it to the ultimate answer. Yes. To life, the universe, and everything. Yes, a Hitchhiker's Guide reference, which will come back when we start talking about Doctor Who for a strange Ooh, reason. Okay. But before we do that, there was something uh, we didn't talk about last week that I wanted to bring up, and how it relates to something that happened this week, so we can start with that. News came out last week that uh, James Gunn, he was in talks with Warner Brothers to write the sequel to Suicide Squad. Oh, I think I did hear that. Yes. Yeah, but... And there's a possibility he may also be directing. To my mind, Suicide Squad was just their attempt to come up with the Guardians of the Galaxy. You might as well have the writer and Right. Direct. So they pulled James Gunn in. Yeah, like... which I think is a good play for them. Assuming that Warner Brothers can leave him alone and let him do what he does best, I think he'll be fine. In fact, it actually makes me interested in seeing uh, Suicide Squad 2, where I would not have been as enthusiastic before. So, okay. Which, like I said, it's really going to depend on how much Warner Brothers is going to let him do his own thing and not micromanage, because it's when they micromanage that we run into the problems such as, well, the first Suicide Squad and all mm, the problems mm -hmm. with that. Of course, you know, at the beginning with the Twitter issue and, and losing his job at Marvel, apparently he's landed on his feet and he's going to be doing okay. However, the Twitter war continues. Uh, see, I'm not even on Twitter. Well, Twitter seems to be the place where people go to say things that get them fired. And yeah, it seems like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is what happened this week. So basically, a writer by the name of Chuck Wendig, he writes a lot of science fiction. He also has a blog called Terrible Minds About Writing, which is definitely worth your read if you can deal with the fact that he's rather fond of the F-bomb. He's... Mm. He's a very colorful character, shall we say, but a lot of his writing books and his blog are really useful to writers, and I would definitely recommend that you read his stuff. But he's written a lot of, of his own sci-fi. Uh, he's written several novels that are considered canon in the Star Wars universe. And he was, until recently, he was working on a five-comic series for Marvel called Shadow of Vader. And this was going to... Oh, a Star Wars comic. Okay. A Star Wars comic mm. about Darth Vader. Mm -hmm. And he was working on that. And, of course, if, you, if you've been following politics or even if you haven't been following politics, you should be pretty much familiar with the Brent Kavanaugh issue, the, uh. the, the Supreme Court justice, all the issues with that going on. And then, of course, him finally being confirmed to the Supreme Court. And... Chuck Wendig, who's unapologetically left-leaning, had some things to say about the whole situation. And as you can imagine, somebody with language as colorful as his, uh, he had some colorful things to say about the situation, about Kavanaugh, about Trump, about the GOP in general. This went on for a little while, and then, I think it was Monday, he... Well, don't you get only, like, 140 characters or something yes. like that? Yes, <laughs> but you can post and post and post. Uh -huh, like one of, you know, so there was a stream of posts. Uh-huh. Actually, it's, I think at this point, uh, for some people, it's doubled to 280, so you can post longer screeds. 
but this was several this was several posts over the course of a few hours. But on Monday, Chuck announced that he had heard from Marvel because of the nature of those posts and complaints that had been received that they were going to terminate him from the comic book series. He's written three of them, and they're still going to come out, but the last two are going to be written by somebody else. And there Hmm. was a Star Wars novel that he was contracted to write, and he has been, his contract has been canceled for that. And so, as you can imagine, when the news broke, there were several people online who were very upset about this. And there were several people online who were ecstatically happy about it. (laughs) And so both sides have been either, you know, really upset or laughing and jumping up and down. And their, their videos, if you do a search for Chuck Wendig... There's a ton of YouTube videos either really upset about this happening or gloating about it. I think, especially when you're dealing with Disney slash Marvel, I think especially when it comes to tweets, I think Marvel in this situation now and Disney and ABC, I think they're caught in a situation where I don't think anybody can possibly get a pass at this point, regardless of what your political views are. Mm-hmm. Because after Roseanne, after James Gunn, if you give somebody a pass, obviously the question is, well, why, why do they, they get, get a pass? A pass? Yep. Why do they get a pass when mm-hmm. Roseanne didn't get a pass? James Gunn didn't get a pass. Mm-hmm. And so they're stuck in this situation. But it seems to me that, especially when you're dealing with online discussion, when people talk about their views and opinions online, they're trying to do one of three things. The first thing, which I think the majority of people are doing They're wanting to hurt somebody, and so they're basically shooting people in the face with word bullets. And I think in Chuck Wendig's situation, that's what he was trying to do. He wasn't trying to get into a debate. He was angry, he was mad, and he was going for people's throats. The second thing I think people do online when they express some sort of an opinion is they're wanting people to see how smart that they are (laughs) and how how well thought out that That they... That never works. Well, (laughs) but I think that comes out, you know in a lot of people is that they want to say, well, see how well I've thought this stuff out, you know? And so, you know, that's, that's sort of the motivation. And I think to be, even if you're trying to show off how smart you are, it's lost on the people that you're showing it to. That's true. And I think very often what happens is people who do this, they're normally correcting somebody else. I think that's where a lot of online mansplaining comes from where somebody (laughs) comes rolling in and go, no, no, you, you got that wrong. Let me explain to you how this actually is. So, And I think a very small, maybe to a point where it's almost unmeasurable. There's a, a, People express opinions because they either want to change somebody else's mind or they want to put their own views out there and risk having them changed and maybe changing as a person, which I think that's the holy grail when it comes to discussion. But... I don't think a whole lot of people do that. I don't think people are really, number one, think that other people can be debated and possibly change their mind. And they're certainly not willing to have their own views challenged. Right. It's just a meme. Change my mind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But we've gone from discourse to discord. And like I said, I'm not saying... I'm not saying that Chuck Wendig should have done anything differently. I can't speak for anybody else. I can only, as I say, speak to what I feel my responsibilities are. And and that certainly comes up in this show about how political we should or shouldn't be on this podcast. And it's an ongoing question. And I think like a lot of uh, things in our lives, these are questions that we continue to ask ourselves, especially with 
social media, a lot of things are changing. And what our roles in this are, are going to change. And I think that's just, it's not something a lot of us think about. Oh, it's just that we're going to have to adapt and learn from it. We had Gene Roddenberry, Mm -hmm. who took science fiction and took the political climate of his day and made beautiful stories out of it. Rod Serling, same way. Mm -hmm. Now we've got Jordan Peele, got the new Twilight Zone coming up. So if anyone could do it, I believe he's the one who could take modern climate, spin it on its ear, and make beautiful stories out of it. I trust him in that. Oh, yeah. What happens next? We shall see. Yeah, we shall see. So with that said, we can talk about, or at least I guess I can talk about, we can talk about Doctor Who. We can talk about The Walking Dead. Now, you didn't get a chance to see either of them. No, uh, I I, lay, I got home on Sunday. I laid down to watch, uh, I think, Doctor Who first, and I immediately fell asleep. Yeah. Uh, I oh, woke I, up at the very end to see her get her TARDIS back. So, so, you, that have was, seen the, so you have seen the TARDIS. Yes. Uh, so that was, uh, that was a happy moment. Well, let's go ahead and say that at this point, if you haven't seen Doctor Who or The Walking Dead, pause now because there will be spoilers. Going to Doctor Who, the ghost monument. Since I promised another Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy reference, of course, we get one because how uh-huh. does the Doctor get rescued? Ship happens to pull up and pick them up. Hitchhiking. Or, awesome. Yeah, Very well, Arthur Dent. And so, of course, we have two different ships, and the Doctor and Yaz in one ship, and then we had Graham and Ryan in the other ship. Hmm. And so they were split up, and Ryan and Graham shows up first on this planet, known as Desolation. That already sounds very ominous. Yes, very ominous. Basically, what you find out is that this is a planet that the people were enslaved, the scientists were enslaved to create weapons of mass destruction. Mm -hmm. And because of this research, this planet itself is a death trap. The water is poisoned. It's full of flesh-eating microbes. There are all these different weapons just littered all over the place, including these pieces of cloth that just wrap you up and choke you to death. Huh. Uh, I found out in canon because there's a uh, the BBC has been releasing online these case files that Yaz is describing all these different aliens. Oh, very cool. That's a you know when you were describing the planet, I immediately thought of uh, Farscape. There's an episode where mm-hmm. an entire planet is enslaved to make weapons. Right. And um, then there are there's the John Crichton case files that were released online. This was. Well, it probably wasn't early internet, but it was early internet to me. I felt like, you know, that was one of the first things that I looked up on the internet. And uh, so that's interesting. Yeah. So these pieces of polyfiber cloth that float and squirm like snakes, that they can detect fear, they can detect blood, and they'll choke you to death. And they're called remnants. And I found that out watching this case file because he didn't really name them uh, in the show. Of course, I had to come up with my own name because I didn't know what it, what they were called. So, of course, I referred to them as murder raps. Murder raps. If you put a space in there, I will fill it with a pun. I'm sorry. So they had those and we had these sniper bots. And so basically what happened was Ryan and Graham show up first and then the second ship that has the doctor and Yaz, they see it coming and then getting ready to crash. And I'm going to say this, because it's it's one of my least favorite tropes. If a ship is coming down and it's coming after you, do not run in the same direction that the ship's coming. Run parallel. This was a problem uh-huh. they had. This is a problem uh-huh. that they had with Prometheus, was when the ship was crashing, you see the ship behind them. They're running away from the ship. Of course, the ship's coming in the same direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, go parallel. Get out of the way, <laughs> which they did not do, but they did manage to eventually kind of get out of the way of the ship. 
And so what we found out, basically, I don't want to go too much into the plot, but the two pilots were the last of thousands of contestants in this big galaxy race. And there was tons and tons and tons of money and freedom waiting for whoever won the race. A very dangerous sort of a gumball rally type race because thousands of people started out, only two people were left alive. And this race ends on this planet. Wow. And so what they have to do is they have to find... There is a legend known as the Ghost Monument. It's some sort of artifact that appears once every thousand years and just disappears. Hominoptera. Mm, of course, when the doctor saw what this thing looked like, it's like, oh, it looks like a police call box. <laughs> She's like, yes, I want to find this thing too. <laughs> so makes they, sense. It appear, yeah. might appear only every one thousand years, and unless you're on modern day Earth, then right. it, it appears at least three times a season. Right. So, yeah. So it would, every thousand years, this ghostly thing would phase in and phase out. And so joining the uh, the last two contestants on this race, they're going across a planet. They only really have one day. Traveling at night is a really bad idea, obviously, because of the remnants. And they had sniper bots and, and the water was dangerous. And so this was just a matter of, can we survive one night and get here? What I will say about the episode... One thing that I definitely picked up from this episode was there is a new rule in Doctor Who, which is that the showrunner always lies. And the reason I say that, one thing that Chris Chibnall was saying about this entire series was there's not going to be any through line. Each one of these episodes is going to be standalone. standalone. Mm -hmm. They're not going to really interrelate with each other at all. But they're in a bunker and... They see some writing on the floor done by the scientist explaining what happened to the planet, that this race came and enslaved them to make all these war weapons. But the race happened to be the Stenza, the blue guy with the teeth in his oh, face. Oh, okay. Hmm. The Stenza come back. Obviously, these shows are not... Standalones. Standalones, because the Stenza were mentioned in this episode. And so, of course, we've only seen two episodes. Are we going to see the Stenza again? Is this going to be the through line that the Stenza are dealing with stuff? Next week's episode is going to involve Rosa Park. Yes, it's our first historical our that first, we've had. So, right. Um, and, of course, the Stenza have been coming to Earth to hunt for a long time. Does that mean that it's the Stenza that's threatening to subvert history in Rosa Park? Is mm -hmm. Maybe that's the case. And the other piece of the puzzle here about through lines is when the remnants were attacking the Doctor and her crew and the two pilots, they have psychic abilities to read fear and what they had to say about the doctor and about something so far buried in her past that even she had forgotten about it, about the timeless child, about the child who has been rejected. What they're referring to, well, we don't know, but it sounded like they were talking about the doctor. I know you haven't seen any of the Capaldi episodes, but there were a couple of moments where the Doctor as a child were involved in episodes. One specifically where you definitely are dealing with the Doctor as a child mm -hmm. back on Gallifrey. And so there were some things in there that indicated a past that we didn't know a whole lot about. And this may be a reference to it. But is this going to be something that they're going to have to deal with by the end of this series? Or if this is just something they're kind of putting out for right now? Again, this is setting up a through line. So Chris Tribnall might have been pulling our legs, he might mm -hmm. have, which I don't have a problem with. I'm <laughs> quite against spoilers and when it comes down to it. If there's a bigger plan involved, I'm looking forward to seeing where it develops. But, of course, we don't know. Now, I'm going to go over Walking Dead briefly. 
it was just more of an enforcement of the type of stuff that happened last week. One thing that I thought was, because we've talked about this, how it seems like Walking Dead, they're hitting the fast forward button. Mm -hmm. Well, the first thing you find out in this episode is that a month has passed between the last episode and this one. (laughs) So they jump, they jump Uh a month ahead. So we didn't get to see the immediate reaction after the hanging, after the lynching. No. Oh, wow. We just, we get to see what's been going on after about a month where the guy that attacked Maggie is locked up in jail and his wife's not allowed to see him, where people are questioning what's going on. And of course, then we also deal with the situation at the bridge where they've got saviors there who are working on the bridge and are expected to put in the lion's share of the work. Saviors have been disappearing in the night. And they think they're running off. Mm-hmm. We're starting to see cracks in the armor, obviously with Daryl and not being happy about how things are going. And there's a lot of fighting going on, especially with this one savior that seems to be a major problem and continues to be a major problem throughout the episode. He wants to take the lion's share of the water and starts a fight on the bridge. He was put in charge of one of the sirens to distract the walkers, distract the walkers and when they try to contact him, they couldn't get a hold of him, and so the walkers wind up in one of the camps where they're cutting down trees to make wood to build the, the bridge. Uh, make the bridge, mm-hmm. and they have to run and basically fight this horde. this horde of walkers, yeah. and Aaron gets trapped under one of the logs, and they're able to get him out, but his arm is crushed, and so Enid, who is now learning to be a medic, has to amputate his arm. Oh. So Aaron, Aaron short an arm now at this point, and they weren't really happy about that. And he winds up eventually running off again. Uh, by the end of the episode, of course, apparently he in the in the middle of the night, you see, he sees somebody pull uh, pulls out his machete and is like, "Hey, you should have said something. I almost killed you." And he winds up getting killed. Huh. So. I will say that what shocked me because I didn't see this coming at all because they really not built this up is Anne, the artist formerly known as Jadis, mm-hmm. and Father Gabriel seem to have a relationship, mm. which the only time I think they really even communicated in the series was when Gabriel was captured by well, the so tra- Wasn't he their hostage? <laughs> he was. Oh, poor Gabriel and his Stockholm Syndrome. Well, that was always kind of her, you know, she was very bold about it, even when she was laconic and yeah. uh, with the rest of the, the trash people, you know, very... Uh-huh. We do, at the end of the episode, we do see where Maggie has released her prisoner because of the fact that, like her father, Herschel, he had a drinking problem. And he was also willing to say that hanging Gregory wasn't a mistake. And so she decided, okay, well, you can get out on work release. (laughs) And speaking of Herschel, uh, Scott Wilson, the actor who plays, he he, he passed away. Although, last week at New York Comic Con, they announced that he had come back to film as Herschel. Really? Which, obviously... Either a flashback or a dream, so... Yeah, flashback or a dream, because, of course, uh, Lauren Cohen, as Maggie, is going to be leaving, so I guess they brought him in. I wonder if Beth will come back, too. Well, they didn't say anything about Beth, Mm -hmm. but they did mention Herschel. And they announced at Comic-Con, and it wasn't until they got off a stage after announcing that they found out that he'd passed away. We are going to get to see Herschel one more time. They've so wow and we will get uh they mentioned shane also in that so yeah i heard rumors about shane coming back for a few months now. right so of course they've shot that already but uh, i'm it's nice to know that that we're gonna we are gonna get to see herschel one more time 
in this series and that he was able to shoot something before he passed. So that that's going to be nice. I do have to say, I'm kind of intrigued about the whole thing with Jadis because, um, and because this kind of puts her in a weird position because now she's of two minds because she has an attachment to Rick's group specifically to father Gabriel, but obviously she, whatever the helicopter is, whoever those people are, she knows who they are. And when she was on guard in the cherry picker, she sees the helicopter again. Hmm. So she's obviously, like I said, she's she's of two minds. She's of two worlds at this point. And how that's going to manifest itself as the series goes on, well, we don't know yet. But this series right now, it just there's some good stuff and there's things I'm looking forward to. But yeah, it just feels rushed. Like I said, you have a month passed just between two episodes. And it takes you a little while to figure out that's what happened. They have to say that through narrative. Exposition. So, yeah, they kind of had to exposition it because, again, you know, we, we we see it as a week, but an entire month. There wasn't like a placard said uh, one month later or whatever to let you know. So you had to kind of catch up on that. So I think that with Doctor Who and with Walking Dead, it's setting up some really interesting things. And we don't really know what's ahead for us because they've ma- they have managed to kind of hold the spoilers down to a good degree, and I've or, or at least I've managed to avoid them in a huge stay off the <laughs> yes. internet, so, stay off the chat rooms. Yeah. So, episode three this Sunday, and maybe you can Up stay both. With, yeah, uh-huh. and maybe you can stay awake for Here's this hoping. Time. <laughs> yeah, I do have to say though, like I said when we were talking about Doctor Who coming back and it being on Sunday, that I was gonna, I was worried about how this might interfere. Well, with the second episode, of course, now we know what time uh, Doctor Who's going to be on, which is eight o'clock, and it's mm-hmm. from eight to like uh, nine ten, mm-hmm. because it it basically goes over, and of course nine o'clock is Walking Dead, so they're not directly competing against each other. Mm-hmm. But the last 10 minutes of Doctor Who falls right at the first 10 minutes of The Walking Dead. So Unless you can catch a second showing of either one. So Yeah, well, you couldn't watch a second showing of Doctor Who. They're only showing the one. Okay. But fortunately, Sunday night happens to be, they just continue to run Walking Dead. You do Walking Dead, Talking Dead, back to Walking Dead, and then Walking Dead again. Mm-hmm. So you do get a chance to watch it that way. But... Yeah, it is kind of annoying that you got that 10-minute deal. But, of course, next week we'll see how things develop. Of course, the doctor's got her TARDIS back. Uh, yep, so now we can go anywhere. Yeah, now you did see that you were awake to see the TARDIS. Mm-hmm, yep. So we'll go back to Doctor Who for just a second before we close. What did you think of the TARDIS? I I really like it. I mean, it's it's cozier than it has been. Mm-hmm. You know, it seems tighter. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, and it fits her. It matches her, her screwdriver. It matches right. her personality. It's warm. It's very, uh, I think it's very maternal. So I'm excited about it. It looks to me like a, a crystal grotto. And it, mm-hmm. uh, and I just love, I love the cream dispenser. I, lo- <laughs> I love the fact she can step on a pedal and a custard cream pops out. She can have a cookie, you know. So that's amazing. It's just, uh, I, I'd seen um, on the Doctor Who uh, YouTube channel that they had a thing about the TARDIS. And they asked Jody. they said, what's your favorite biscuit? We can't tell you why, but tell us what your favorite biscuit is. <laughs> uh-huh. And she likes custard cream, so here's the custard cream petal. I Aww. think that's amazing. So they, that was their gift to, to, to Jody. Jody. It's like, whenever you need a custard cream, just step on this petal. One will pop out. So I thought that was amazing. It's brilliant. So. And so with that, we come to the end of another episode of the Geek Watch Podcast. 
Thank you for listening and tune in next week for the latest in geek news and views with the Geek Watch podcast. For Mandy Petrie, this is Brian Hatcher reminding all the geek watchers out there that we're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the Geek Watch podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The Geek Watch podcast is a Hanging J production. <laughs>